Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Yummy for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. Jack It's a party. This is 11 Personnel, I am Nick Roush, and I'm happy to be here today to tell Adam Luckett, go, why do you gotta be right? This is the one time I needed you to be wrong about our guy Bo Nix, and you had to go and be right, and they they lost. They lost to Florida, and now, I mean, you basically laid it out, that they, 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 <sighs> No, I hated to see it. I, I mean, was cheering for him. I was cheering for him. I mean, bad. you were, you were, it, it, like, sometimes it's like, it's a good thing when it's like, oh, look, it's right. It gives us some street cred on 11 personnel. And then other times it's like, damn it, look, it, why you got to look so smart? It was the perfect setting for Florida. Just, it just couldn't happen any, any more perfect. It was like the, uh, the Phil Still situational play. It was a situation. And then it starts out. You know, they get out to the big lead early. I think the Auburn went three and out, punted. Florida scores in like two plays on like a 60-yard touchdown pass. And it from there, it, I mean, it was pretty much over. Well, what was and, annoying is Bo Nix, he has – It was a turnover fest. If, but, yeah. if he doesn't throw that interception in the end zone, then, you know, different well, ball game. They're covering. Well, if – They're covering if, if big, they get those touchdowns there. If big Derek Brown, while he's rumbling, doesn't get tackled by the turf yeah. monster, is Seth Williams God. before that interception – just finishes off the catch and goes into the end zone. It's a totally different game. But that's, I mean, that's football for you. Football is a stupid, stupid game. It's the most beautiful, dumbest, just nightmare of a sport. Wherein, like you said, you just named like three plays right there. Just one of them goes different. I mean, that's Florida season in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. A, f- a couple plays here and They're there. They're catching the breaks this year. It's starting to seem like. Which, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it now. Like, they're going to... They gotta catch a lot of breaks and win at Death Valley at night. Yeah, I don't think it. Like I said last week, it's set up well this week, but it, I don't think it. I don't think it sets up well for Florida going on the road this week. Kyle Trask got a banged up knee. He's gonna be wearing this huge knee brace. LSU's getting a little healthier on defense. Yeah. Late the late kickoff, you know, seven p.m. down there is usually about as late as they get. Yeah. So they're gonna be riled up, ready to go. Who very it might very be statement up. game. For ESPN, college game days in town. So that's all. It's it's one of those that it could be fun to see Joe Burrow under duress for the first time. Well, yeah, that's going to be the first. I mean, Florida is starting to prove to us that they're one of the better defenses in the country as the weeks go by. And then you just look at their roster: Jonathan Grenard's 
playing at All-American level. They haven't had Jabari Zaniga and C.J. Henderson for some of this run. Mm-hmm. They'll both be playing next week. Zaniga missed this last game. And then David Reese, we saw what he did He's against Kentucky. Monster. He's yeah. been awesome all season. So they're just their defense has just been really daggum good this year. And so seeing them go against what has been like the best offense in college football so far, it's going to be fun to watch. I that will be a good game, but we won't be watching it. Actually, it, CBS. it'll probably be on in the press box, but let's just play the game. Did CBS get it right? Hell no, they didn't no, get it right. I was pretty triggered by that when I got the news well, last week. Th- this was definitely uh, a case of – because you, you, you predicted <laughs> – I noticed you didn't play the game this week. Did you get too beaten down by it the week before? Because you predicted and almost every game was wrong. I know. I just stopped <laughs> doing it. I can't get – usually I'm good at like kind of – Getting well, about 80% or so of those right, but this year it's just been... Well, I, and I think, it, it, at least in this week, they they kind of curtail to uh, the what the school's like. LSU, they love night games. That's just their thing. In Kentucky, UK wants every October, October game. game to be a night game just so people can go to Keene. Right. Um, so that that's kind of why we are where we are. Um, I mean, Alabama, they're going to roll A&M, correct? I think so, yeah. I was kind of shocked. Mississippi State, Tennessee's only seven points spread. That honestly sounds about right to me. Yeah. I just – and part of it is – I know that some of it is probably a reaction to Tennessee playing well versus Georgia with uh, – I don't know how to say his name. Marr? Marr? <laughs> I mean, it really is. you got the Marr at Tennessee. It's like a slurred mirror. Which Marr. the Marr of Tennessee is uh, Kane, right? Kane's the mayor, the mayor of Knox County. Yeah, yeah. So, Kane, quarterback Kane's brother. <laughs> yeah, is uh, the quarterback now for the Vols, and they play close. But I'm going to be honest with you, I was paying more attention to Ohio State, Michigan State, and it was also bye week, hour eight of watching football right. and drinking dark beer, and you know, you just you we don't were, pay as much attention. We were out for a birthday, so I didn't get to see much of the late games. I saw the beautiful scoop and score by Georgia for the late cover. Oh, on the corner, glorious. Blitz. The true freshman <laughs> never saw it coming. Oh man! But he, I, I went back and kind of watched the abbreviated game, and he made two really good deep throws. Tennessee's got two pros at receiver, Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway. So they kind of jumped on Georgia early, but other than that, it was kind of what Georgia does. It starts off slow, and then they just grind you to yeah, smithereens. They just kind of wear you down. They're like, they're like a. A cobra, they just kind of squeeze you to death, and then by the time you look up at the end of the third quarter, you're like, "Oh, we're down three possessions now. Oh, we're down four possessions because our defense is tired and can't stop the run." Right. And so that's just that's and then just kind of what you commit does. one turnover and ball game. Yep. So that that's what we have to look forward to next week. We're eleven personnel hitting the road. Yes, first road trip. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. If you all haven't been to Athens before, you haven't been to Athens. I haven't. Have, Athens is my favorite place in the SEC. You're not the only person to tell me that. It's I haven't, I haven't been to all of them. I've been to like I've got, I haven't been to Arkansas, Ole Miss. I've only been through Alabama. I haven't spent like a weekend there. Haven't been to the Plains. We're doing that next year. Um, and is much fun. Like College Station is fun in a weird way, but it's way too damn hot. There's no shade there. It's not the prettiest campus. Well, it's too really small cool. too, probably. Yeah, uh, no, it's pretty big. Is it bigger? It's, it's bigger than Athens, but the thing about a- Athens is a beautiful, beautiful town, trees. The only downside to it is actually what makes it so pretty is that it's hilly. So, like, we're going to be walking around and saying, you're like, son of a bitch. This is... But 
the the atmosphere. Uh, I forget the name of the street, but their their strip of bars down there is incredible. It's like I like to say I would have failed out in uh, <laughs> semester if I would have gone to Georgia. I don't uh, think neither of us were smart enough to get into Georgia. Eh, if if you if you're from the state, you get oh there you go. You get free tuition. So I mean, I, I, I guess somebody can make, but I would have flunked out pretty quickly. Either way, we have that to look forward to next week, and we don't get to guess the CBS game because they flexed it, and. It's a rough looking slate too. Oh it's, yeah, it gets ugly quick. It, it's it's good teams playing teams that are are they actually good? Right. Do we know if they're good? It's good teams playing teams that will just be satisfied if they just make a ball game. Yes, yes. Which by the way, Shreveport <laughs> on Christmas get fired up. <laughs> New Year's New Year's Eve in uh on Bill Street in Memphis? Uh you know, I, I would take all of them versus like just don't Christmas Eve, I want to be able to do my Christmas thing. I don't want to have to be in some <laughs> middle of the nowhere town. Like, you know, I've got a wife to not piss off. Like, just please, like, just let. Because Shreve, Shreveport's a twenty-six, and I there's a scenario where like maybe KSR is like, but somebody's got to be there for all the bull crap they do. Right. The practices and all like that kind of. Into. Yeah, and they probably wouldn't go down as early, but you, at least the twenty-third for a game on the twenty-six. In Shreveport, like I don't want to be in a casino on Christmas morning. I, I know there's projections out there, but I'd be shocked if any team goes down there yeah. because of how the SEC set up. I yeah. think you're looking at, for Kentucky's sake, Gator Bowl, Belk Bowl, Liberty Bowl. Yeah, which are all because you haven't been good to spots. those in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't, you've never been to Charlotte, which I actually wouldn't mind, but I think it'll be pretty cold. Gators on January second this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Belk's thirty first. Belk is on its day of the playoff, so it's like the 28th, I think. And really? I, I think. I might be wrong. I one, thought it was leading into the playoff. I could be wrong. One of those is Maybe New it Year's was like that last year. Eve. Um, but, yeah, um, Liberty Bowl is New Year's Eve. Okay, that's probably what I'm getting confused. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind. I've actually – Actually, a Belk Bowl is New Year's Eve, too. I'm stand corrected. Yeah. So, they're both – I think the Liberty is at like 3.30, 3.45, and Belk's a nooner. Yeah, but, well, but either, either, way. either way, yeah, I, I'd be fine with it. I think Beale Street could be entertaining on New Year's Eve. I've never – the so I actually have been to a Liberty Bowl, and it was when Louisville played Boise State, and it was like 60 degrees. It was unseasonably warm. Right. And Boise State that was, was back 25. When they were both, was that when they were both good? Yeah, they were. it was a little fours because Brian Brom, he was right. freshman. And that, that's Mike what Bush I was had a big for. game that, that day, didn't he? Yeah, well, and the thing was is I was like kind of sick in the stands. So I was like, it's kind of it's a very foggy memory because I just felt like crap the whole time. Um, but nonetheless, that's my only Memphis experience was being 13 years old at the Liberty Bowl, not remembering half of it. I went two years ago for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Ooh, you the were Luke there for May that shot. one. It was a ball all weekend until that shot. Yeah, I I know a lot of people. That's not really their cup of tea. It's not that far. It's like five. Yeah, you can make it in five. Yeah. Bill Street is – it's got some grimy parts to it. But it's – I'm sure I mean, there's but it's fun, fun parts. It's fun. If, I always think – I always compare it to – if you enjoy Bourbon Street, it's a little – Just a little bit. Different, but it's kind of right. the same feel. I – that was – If you the, like to go down – if you're there, if you're a drinker, you're going to have a good time. That was the worst – probably the worst 24 hours I've ever had on the job. Because that team – they're going to be the of all of the to to get off and talk basketball for a second of all of the Cal teams that like 
I mean, they're going to be the most forgotten one. They were built to win a title. Yeah, that they, was a lead eight was a pseudo national. God game. bless. They were built for a title. Fox and Monk, I mean, just elite scores. Great at that position. Bam was finally playing well. He played kind of like crap at the first half this year. You didn't really have much post play. And then Derek Willis and Dominique Hawkins, just ideal role players. They were built for a title. And have Luke freaking May hit that shot. It ripped my heart out. And then there, were, I got a text. Hey, we are going to go ahead and drive back. So we need you to, to do some blogging. And then that led me to like say, damn it. And put my beer down and then write three or four posts till about 10 o'clock at night. And I had to be in Chicago the next morning by 8 a.m. local time. So, wake up. at the draft? Uh, McDonald's All-American. Oh, okay. Yeah. Close yeah. enough. It was, it sucked. It just, I was just, and I, uh, you go from thinking your team's going to win a national championship to freaking windmills at 3 a.m. Just <laughs> that on, is the worst three hours of sleep. Chicago. Oh man, I stopped at a McDonald's in the middle of nowhere. No, that was the worst. Just absolutely Sam windmills. But when Kentucky goes bowling this year, it won't be the worst. No. Won't be the worst at all. So let's let's go ahead and get into the game Saturday night. Kentucky, Arkansas, Jerry Lorenzen Day. Going to be one hell of a game with somebody we don't know who's playing quarterback. Who do you think playing quarterback? Adam Luckett. I think Lim Bowden's playing quarterback. But I also think there's some gamesmanship going on down in Fayetteville too. Oh, because not just the UK. Mm-hmm. Huh. Because they've got kind of dual starters down there right now. Nick Starkle had to be carted off the field. I, I believe not carted, but like helped to the sideline. Gingerly walk. Had his arm, his throwing arm, in a sling. They said it was just like a. I think they called it a contusion on his elbow or something. Yeah, he put on this big brace that looked like a robot arm. Right. So, and the reason he's in the lineup is because how he can stretch the field. He's got a big arm. He can drive it. If he can't do that, it doesn't really make much sense to play him. While the other guy, Ben Hicks, who played for Chad Morris at SMU, mm-hmm. SMU's all-time leading passer in yards and touchdowns, but physically he's got some limitations. Where Starkle can really drive the ball down the field, whereas – Ben Hicks is more kind of a game management type. Starkle has seven turnovers, I believe, or seven interceptions this season. Dude. Three of the three turnovers in the red zone. Five when, in one game against San Jose State. State. Right, and then he had another turnover there when he hurt his elbow, was making a tackle after a red zone interception. So I think there's something going on there. I'm not really sure who's going to start. I would expect that we probably see both. Because Starkle, I think they're going to see if Starkle can get out there and do what he can do. If not, if Chad or Morris, if he has a turnover early, because Hicks is just kind of a guy where they know he won't mess up. I mean, but if you're Chad Morris, don't be an idiot. Don't overthink it. Play the hot hand. Chad Morris was, or not, excuse me, not Chad Morris, Ben Hicks. He wasn't like a world beater against A&M, but he got you 27 points in that game. Right. He did. I think it was more I, their play calling. I really like what their play calling did against A&M. Not so much Hicks because they – they hit him with a lot of screens and took advantage of some over-aggressiveness by the Aggies. But Hicks was pretty bad in their first two starts. Against Portland State, they were down late. It was 31-10 in Oxford. They were down with him playing primary quarterback. Ugh. So, And he was, only, he was completing less than 40% of his passes in those two starts. He had a QB rating down in the 90s, which is kind of like 
near Sawyer Smith territory the last two games. Yeah. So he ha- he hasn't been great either. So they are kind of they want Starkle in there, but he's got turnover issues and he's banged up right now. <laughs> so I don't. They're playing gamesmanship too because he's given vague answers similar to old Marky Stoops. Oh yeah, who Stoops? He just he's just tired of even like trying to. Well. Gave Bob Holt the business today. Oh man, it was great. I knew that the Bob. I knew Bob Holt was going to come in with haymaker. And folks, if you don't know Bob Holt, he is the guy that asks every coach two or three questions at SEC media days. Bob Holt, Arkansas Democrat, is that Mark? You a and he a legend, an absolute SEC legend, big SEC teleconference guy as well. And Mark Stoops was just like Bob. Sorry, not not saying anymore. <laughs> like he was just like, I'm not going there. They all practiced, and uh, you know they're going to practice again today. We'll see. Yeah. Stoops, you know, he practiced that canned answer for the press conference, but now you can see with each question, he just doesn't care. And then Eddie Grand yesterday said he's going to defer to what the head coach says. Yeah, yeah. he Which, just was like, they practiced, they threw. Stoops addressed it next. I'd be pretty surprised if Bolden doesn't start a quarterback. I would. I'm of the opinion now that I, I don't want Sawyer Smith to be quarterback. At least on the first, like if he actually is fine, I still want Bowden out there first, just because. Well, I, I want to see Bowden get like at least say Smith is fine. Let's just play this game. Mm-hmm. I want to see at least Bowden get three, four possessions just to see what he can do because it can't be any worse. Sawyer Smith has come out and turned it over every game in the first possession. Yeah, like yeah. it can't get any worse than that. So. Let's see what Bolden yeah, does. And the, let's see um, if Grant talked about, you know, he's mad at himself because he got away from the run game. If Bolden's in there, it's going to make him even more as a play caller be committed to the ground game. Part of the reason why I, I want Bolden to be in there first, it's not just because Pro Football Focus came out today and had Smith ranked 130th out of 130 in FPS quarterbacks. It was fair, but also, like, they didn't mention the, like, injury part at all. Where it's like you've been watching the film, but you didn't. Well, yeah, like, they uh, they had a lot. I re- I read that today, and there was a lot of like quarterbacks that had been banged up, and they didn't. They didn't like mention it at yeah. all, which is not really fair. But either way, this team, I, I worry about this team in the in momentum because uh, Drew talked about it a lot in the football podcast. Terry Wilson was a big leader for this team as far as galvanizing the the big guys and the skill players, offense and defense. I think. His presence really united a lot of different moving parts of the team. And I worry that if you come off of a bye week and you get into another turnover situation, you can get a chance where the defense is mad at the offense because they're playing from behind again. Mm-hmm. And you get in a, you could get into a scenario where you're like, oh, where players who really look up to Lynn, who really admire him, like, well, what, you don't trust him, but you trust this guy who can't get anything done? So, just for a pure, just put in, like, if you're going to fail, fail big. Put in, worst case scenario, he busts off a couple big runs and gets, you know, or or he, he worst case scenario, he, like, fumbles the ball. But people don't get mad because it's Lynn. He's not supposed to be there. And I think the way Arkansas kind of plays defense, I think could play into Kentucky's hands running this maybe different look offense. Because John Chavis has been a defensive coordinator in SEC for every year since 1995. Yeah, he started as a position coach in 84. Right. I believe is what Something I'm like that. Yeah, and he's, he was Phil Fulmer's mm-hmm. D.C. 
He was a DC when they won the national championship at Tennessee. Yeah, and then he went to A and M. LSU first. LSU first. Yeah, he was there for a decade or so. Yeah, he was there at LSU for a while. Was defensive coordinator for that nasty group that had the Honey Badger in 2011. Mm-hmm. Lost at Alabama, but they had the nine six game, and what was going to be the greatest game ever? <laughs> yeah. A real, just a nasty defense. Was he? He? I think he was there too for an 07 when they got. Yeah, he was. When they walked in that he buzzsaw. Was. The crow. He was. I think that was his. That was either his first or his second year in Baton Rouge, and then he goes to A and M with someone a few years, mm-hmm. and now he, he he's at Arkansas. But he runs this old school four three defenses, and that's just something you don't see no. now, because it's more about getting more size in at size inside, but at athleticism on the edges. That's mm-hmm. why you see a lot of teams go on the three four. I think it, you know, a lot of sub packages nickel because it helps defend all this outside stuff and yeah. the RPOs and stuff. So I think Kentucky could have an advantage, especially if they get Arkansas in base of you know taking advantage of that quarterback's athleticism. Well, and, and they would be, I mean, just if if you come out and let's just say twenty one personnel and you've got Bowden split backs. Yeah, that's another thing. They can you mix know. up personnel packages to get a team in base when really it's going to be a spread package. Yeah, or even like twenty. Like, but if you have two, if you have split backs next to Bowden mm-hmm. and you're running misdirection with them, they will have to just because of what you're in. They got to give kind of a basic look because you're in one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can do a lot of fun stuff out of it that Bowden doesn't necessarily. He doesn't have to know a lot of complex schemes out of. It's like read one or two guys per play. They can mm-hmm. make it really simple for him. Right. So I, th- yeah, he's not going to be reading the progression tree. It's no, going to no, be no. one, maybe two. Go Mark, make a see play. What, see what's happening. Maybe look back, and then yeah, trust your athleticism. But again, it's a game that I think Kentucky they haven't controlled the tempo of a game in a while. No, especially in the last two. So getting out to their to their start and control it, like establishing the tempo is going to be big. Chad Morris has eight. He's he's eighteen and thirty five career, so not a very good record. But only three of those wins have occurred when he scored under thirty points. As a coach, he's three and twenty three overall when scoring less than thirty points. And you know what? Kentucky hasn't let a team score right. more than thirty points in two years. Sixteen out of the last seventeen games, Kentucky has held their opponent under thirty points. The only one to score over Ole Miss was. Georgia. Georgia, because yeah. DeAndre Swift just went off. Yeah, thoughts and prayers, Mike Edwards. So, so when you look at that, that tells me Kentucky's got to get back to their recipe. We heard Stutes talking about finding the formula this week. I think the formula is establishing that ground game. Arkansas on the other side is a hurry-up, no-huddle offense that wants to play with pace. Can you get them in some three and outs? Can you make that offense sit on the sideline? And can you kind of wear down that defense by running the ball and just kind of owning, owning time of possession, owning the tempo of the game, I think it's going to be big. Because whoever whoever establishes the tempo is going to have the, the advantage, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, because uh, while Kentucky hasn't been great defensively against tempo, especially when Eastern Michigan really comes around. South Carolina did do it as badly. They ran the ball more effectively. But when they're getting it out of the quarterback's hands quickly, which I think is what they'll try to do with Hicks, right? that can – you're either going to have a lot of success moving the football or you're going to be off the field in a hurry. And I just Kentucky has to be effective in pass rushing situations. Like I, 
Just has yeah. to. Arkansas, because they get the ball out quick, they're not giving up a lot of sacks. So it's a lot of it's going to be, you know, what they do in reaction for Kentucky. Seeing ball, coming up, making tackles. Good news. Getting Jordan Griffin back in the lineup. Yeah. It's yeah. Help. And I think he's just being their nickel now from Allen, too. That's what I was going to say. I think on it's the time. depth chart, they had him as the one. Mm-hmm. They hadn't been getting a lot of good play out of it, but they've liked what they've gotten out of yeah. Mosley at safety. Yep. So I think that's where they're mm-hmm. most comfortable. And Asian, he's struggled the last couple games at nickel. Yeah. yeah. Not, hadn't been great. So getting Jordan Griffin at nickel, getting Mosley more snaps, get it, still getting some good corner play because Arkansas has two freshmen, Traylon Burks, Trey Knox, both. Both are very true freshmen. Both are four-star, like top 150 prospects in last year's class. Mm-hmm. Down the road, that's going to be a hell of a group to, to deal with for opposing defenses. Right now, they've had some little inconsistency. Each each one has missed a game. They're both healthy now going into this one. But Knox is kind of your 6'5", 220-pound receiver who can He's stretch a big the field boy. vertically. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a challenge for UK in the vertical game, especially if Starkle's in there. And then Burks is more of a guy, he's kind of like – A.J. Brown was kind of this big, thick inside slot receiver for Ole Miss. Yeah. He's kind of in that mold where he's 6'3", but they're going to be lining up inside a lot. They're going to throw a lot of short stuff to him, getting the ball on screens and stuff like that. I believe he's their punt returner too. So he's a guy that just wants to get the ball on his hands to see what he can do. A.J. Brown's been pretty good for the Titans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah, and so it was him, Van Jefferson, and DK Metcalf were who Kentucky had to go up against against Ole Miss. And Demarcus Lodge, who's on some NFL roster right now. The uh, the most baffling thing in the history of the universe is Matt Luke firing that offensive coordinator. What an idiot! Well, he didn't fire him; he just left. Okay, so the offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's at North Carolina now. Oh, okay. So he just realized, Matt Luke, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Why am I coaching for you? I need to go somewhere else. Matt Luke's about to get fired, so I'm gonna get out of here before. Y- yeah, exactly. Before the fire arrives. Derek Mason getting fired. It's looking that way, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm very, very interested if that job does open because they got a new athletic director too, Malcolm mm-hmm. Turner, who just, you know, made an interesting move hiring Jerry Stackhouse. It's the men's basketball coach. Very, very interested to see who they kind of target there. I would if that job opens. Vanderbilt should run the triple option. See, the, convince me otherwise. Get I, gimmicky, Vanderbilt. I think down in Birmingham in the SEC offices. In a drawer, in a desk somewhere, there's a handbook of unwritten rules. <laughs> it's that cowboy bells are okay. It's that we don't stop people from drinking bourbon if they wanted to bring it in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And it's no one's allowed to run the triple option. <laughs> <laughs> Along with a few other things in there. <laughs> so, oh. I don't think that's for that reason. That's what... One of Luckett's conspiracy theories. Because it, I don't, I don't think it's it going to happen. It would make too much sense. Yeah. Now, granted, you don't have that many. Like, how many good triple option coaches are there out there? Yeah. You, you See, just go to a military academy, you know, and yeah. try to post. I mean, yeah, those. if you're running old school triple option, what I think they could maybe do is get a guy like Willie Fritz, who's at Tulane right now, yeah, they've been, they've been who ran good. like the gun option at Georgia Southern, but still has runs a lot, has high heavy option principles, but they're spreading out, throw it more. And he's having a big season this year. They yeah, got a chance to good. win that conference. So that's a guy I could see them kind of hiring. Just, just a guy that's just you know, let's get a guy that we think can out can out scheme everybody. Tulane is one of those that teams that when you see their logo, mm-hmm. you think to yourself, who thought that this blob of greenness is a good, like intimidating figure? 
there was somebody like in the seventies who was on psychedelics and like there was like who there was in a fight, him or Big Red? I mean, <sighs> Big Red because he can just swallow them, you know. Uh, even though the green wave is pretty massive, I'm taking Big Red. But the, I mean, somebody was doing shrooms on Bourbon Street and just was like that. That's how they came up with Tulane's mascot. Mm-hmm. I can't. You can't convince me otherwise. They have some pretty slick jerseys though. Oh yeah, their yeah, color yeah. scheme. And their cool. throwbacks are really cool too. Yeah. That they wore on the like powder blues. Thursday night. Yeah, that yeah. that was slick. Yeah. Uh, okay, enough Tulane talk. Back to. Arkansas. They they have another guy on their offense too that you've heard their name before. Rakeem Boyd mm-hmm. was a last chance you guy. Second in the SEC in rushing. Was he East Mississippi or Independence? He's Independence. Yeah. He was there with Malik Henry. Yeah. Who getting his first start for Nevada Wolfpack this yes, week? He is. Yeah. Um, but Rakeem Boyd, big physical guy. Kentucky's just got to get better in their run fits. Did you notice they switched up up on the depth chart this week? I did not. What did they switch? Uh, Jamin Davis is running exclusively at will now, and Oates isn't Square's backup. So Oates, if he's playing, he's just going to be taking cash. Interesting. Spots. I think they're trying to make a concerted effort to get Davis on the field. They've been getting him in there on some nickel and dime as just kind of like an outside rusher. Right, right. Um, because I think he's just too big and too talented, too athletic to keep on. Yeah, I think he just – if. If they just rank power rank the board one through fifteen, he'd be one of their top fifteen players on defense. Right, it's and just, that's where Kentucky is, where like a lot of their best guys are right there on defense uh, at right. the same position. But um, back to Rakeem Boyd, mm-hmm. the ground game they've struggled with the last two weeks has been kind of run run over you and run through you. With Rico Dowdle, it, he was like a lot of pin and pull. You were getting guards coming around guards coming around and just running behind each other. With Mississippi State, the inside quarterback run hurt them in addition to Kylan Hill just being kind of a boss. Right. And they, right. they mixed up schemes. They ran, you know, zone, and then they ran some gap schemes. Where Arkansas, really, he's – Rakeem Boyd is similar to Keyshawn Vaughn in that he's a slashing runner. You know, he wants to take it outside and just explode through the hole. It's big gains that he wants to get. But he's not going to be the guy that's like, all right, third and four, let's mash it mm-hmm. with Vaughn. That's not the type of runner he is. So it's kind of similar to Bryant Kobach with Toledo, how they're going to the, – the, that's the type of run game you're going to see from Stop him on first down, and then you won't have to see him. Him again. Yeah. Yes, they're a pass-heavy offense, and he's a guy that he's not built to have more than really 18 carries in a football game. And then Devois Whaley, their backup's more of a thicker guy, but they're not only giving him the ball around seven times a game. So when you look at that and you consider there's no QB run game, Kentucky's probably going to see 25 or so rush attempts on Saturday. That's really they're going to see that and they're going to see about 40 pass attempts. And if they that's the that's where they want to stay, Kentucky on defense, they want to stay in that kind of 65 play range. If you do that, I think I think I'd run defense I think will be fine this week. Just do not you just don't want to give up the big one to Boyd because he can slash you and make you hurt. But if you keep everything in check and they're not – Arkansas is not going to stay committed to where they're like, all right, let's keep running it. Let's keep running it. Right, right, right. Chad Morris ain't going to – But he's a good player, and he's going to be one of the top rushers in the SEC. But he has that big play breakaway ability, and that's something Kentucky's got to keep in check and not, not let happen on Saturday. And that's something that Kentucky finally got something out of late in the fourth quarter with Chris Rodriguez, who, you know, Eddie Graham just keeps saying going things about Rodriguez. Uh, and I think it's – a lot of it has to do with – He's just proud of the way that 
despite his early struggles, he didn't tuck his head between his tail. Mm-hmm. Um, and that – like, Kentucky should be much better at running the football. They just should. Everything on paper says these guys much better. They haven't busted that many big plays. They've been getting tackled, you know, 10, 12 yards down the field instead of getting, you know. They had them in the first two weeks, and they just haven't gotten them since. No, and you know, some of that, it's SEC, you know, it's different breaking SEC tackles. It just is. But I think a huge part of it, like if you of all the Eddie Green complaints, it's getting away from the run game too early. And he even, you know, hand up was like, one patient enough. Right. I think what you're going to see this week is maybe splitting a smoke or a rose out wide, maybe using them in some jet sweep motion, getting them involved on the fly sweep. But what that also does, it's going to create, you know, distraction for those linebackers, just like some eye candy. And then they're going to hit them with, you know, Rodriguez in the middle on the inside zone and a read option off off of it with Bolden's reading some guy. So if you could take – the linebackers getting them a step slow by using that mm-hmm. motion. And if you take a backside defensive end or outside linebacker or whoever out of that with Bolden, then Kentucky's going to have advantageous numbers in the box. If you can get that double team with Drake Jackson, Logan Stenberg, if you can move, move, get movement and move up to the second level, that's where your big plays happen. And I think Rodriguez is a guy that's going to get a lot of chances on Saturday. I think he's going to have – I think you could see him getting career high in carries. Hmm, interesting. Which is not much. I think it's like seven right now. Yeah, yeah. He'd only need to get like ten or so. Right. But that I, – I, I think he's the best mix for for that. What Kentucky likes to do best is kind of that inside zone stuff. And with Bolden, I think – I just think that's the best mixture it's going to be. And then using – Bolden sm- going wide. And, and then there's other stuff you can get Smoke and Rose involved with. But I think they need to really get – to get that inside running game going, I think they need to get Rodriguez some touches. In, I mean, those, those are the big hog mollies in the middle. And the offensive line really hasn't played great the last two weeks. No. Landon Young, I think, talked about how they got, I don't know, down on themselves or whatnot. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is – Javon Kinlaw kind of handed it to Logan Stenberg. Yeah. And that, this week they're playing another really good kind of three technique. Hey, hey. McTelvin Ageem, Ageem. What do they call him again? Trey? Sosa. Sosa. Yeah, they call him Sosa. He, he was a five-star recruit out of high school. They, He's going to be drafted. He brought He's, a Chucky doll to mm-hmm. SEC media days. It was, it was kind of odd. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, what did he say it was for? Well, that, that's the part. Is like you couldn't really like poke fun at it because he brought it. Uh, like He has a cousin who was murdered in Texas, and it hasn't been solved. And so he was like, so my cousin's this doll, and he's gonna come with me instead. So it was, you know, a little bizarre. But I mean, you're gonna use your platform to shine a light on your cousin's cold case. Might as well do it, you know. Give that extra effort. To each zone. I, but I enjoyed uh, hearing from Sosa, um, who uh, yeah, you gotta just go by Sosa. That's a very bizarre name. Tevin McAlpine. McTel. McTelvin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, McTelvin again. Yeah, not good. But that side of the line, good. They, they have. They, I think they have true freshmen on the other side. Or no, yeah, they, I'm thinking of their off. Yeah, they got a defensive end that's true freshman, and then I was thinking more of their offensive line, where their right side they've got a freshman and a yeah. sophomore starting. I couldn't verify this this week, but on the Texas A&M Arkansas call, Dustin Dusty Dvorak said it was the second youngest defense. In the FBS. Ooh. 
And when you look, they have a true freshman starting at defensive end. They've got a true sophomore who's got a great name, Bumper Pool. Oh yeah, that's that's a KSR post this week. And he's a he's a good player. He's he's starting. And then they got a few few other younger guys. Uh, but they're not young though. Is that middle linebacker Dejon Harris? He's had over hundred tackles the last two years. Was second team All SEC the last two seasons. He's a good player inside, and he's a guy Kentucky's going to have to get you know a hat on in blocks because he could he could wreck the run game like David Reese did if they're not able to get him get to the second level and get some movement. So so that's a big thing. The OL's got to play well, but mm-hmm. I'm just I'm I'm just really interested to see how, what Bowden looks like, kind of what the attack is. Does Eddie Grand get more like perimeter runs? In the offense, what kind of passing concepts are they using? There's a lot of unknowns, mm-hmm. I think, with Bowden, that quarterback. Oh, this is the – it reminds me of the old days. Like it whenever it was UK L first game of the year, and you would just talk trash the entire summer. But you really didn't know what you had. You just didn't. I mean, it's first game, you know. Are they as good as we think they are? And that's the kind of uncertainty I feel like going into this game because – you have no idea what the quarterback's going to be, and I, I'm, I've, I'm almost coming to the point too where I believe that like Sawyer Smith's early success has almost been a detriment to the offense the last few games because he played so well that Grand knew he could previously like it's like they made these throws before it should work and, again. Yeah, and then when you consider that what Florida has become and what they were doing against that defense, right. Yeah, like, like I, I think his they er- did the same thing in 2017. Like they hit the bye week, they reevaluated. Snell was struggling to run, so they went down to Mississippi State and were like, "Let's throw this ball around the yard." They did that, got Stephen Johnson hurt, and just yeah. got housed. Yeah, and then they kind of changed their identity after that. Now we're seeing them try to change their identity again, and now we're gonna see like, like what is he? concoct this week to come out with and that's what I'm really excited to see but that first and foremost key to the game establish the run just please for the love of God oh yeah you well the way the offense just who who are the foot gonna be built Quentin Nelson give me the run the damn football hat yes I we need that we need them in every seat at Kroger Field just run the damn football well you're gonna if Bolton's truly the quarterback we're not seeing him throw the ball 25 times they're gonna be running a lot so you know, this is now like the, like the offensive line. I think now we're talking all this considering Bolden's the quarterback. The offensive line should be licking their chops this week. You're telling me we're gonna go out here and run block 55 times? Like that? This is what this is your dream as an offensive lineman. They're just gonna go down and try to run the ball down Arkansas's throat, who's got a five star there in the middle who hasn't necessarily played like that his whole career. But outside of that, it's kind of just a hodgepodge group. It's not, you know, it's a group that you should overly be scared of. So Kentucky should go out and kind of, if they're as good as they, we all think they are, they should have their way with this Arkansas front, and they should create some big lanes. Now, even if Arkansas brings eight guys in the box, dare them to bring eight in the box, dare mm-hmm. them to play man coverage because if they do that, just throw it up to fourteen. Take your chances with Arkansas small corners. They're all six foot tall, only about 180 pounds. Both the corners are playing. If they want to do that, take your chances with Wagner. Seriously, who, by the way, he's getting he's getting some play too by some of the NFL guys. Right. And also, him and Upshaw both have to be like, 
Okay, well, uh, if nothing else, we can just trust that one will throw it up right. to us. And I think you're going to see less tight end, like we talked about last week. I think you're going to see more spread formations. They're going to disguise them a little bit, like we said earlier, maybe come out in 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, but maybe it's both it's Upshaw and it's Smoke, but you have Rolls lined up out wide and you have Upshaw lined up out wide. Right. So they could do some different things to try to get Arkansas on a favorable personnel advantage um, towards Kentucky's way. And uh, they they they've done some kind of stuff like that where you know it's um, like like when they completed that one pass to Schlegel where they were just like let's mm-hmm. get freaky with some yeah some personnel stuff split people yeah. out wide twelve personnel but they came out and empty yeah so I found some run the damn ball hats that are blue trucker hats twenty six bucks I don't think it'll ship in time though it's kind of expensive just for just says run the yeah, damn t shirt on there just hat just, uh, just a hat. It's it's an Etsy thing, so like you know, it's just somebody trying to make some money. They they were really happy that Quentin Nelson wore that hat. Oh um, yeah, gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, I got. What were we talking about? I was so obsessed with getting one of those run the damn ball hats. Just run the game. If the offensive line is as good as we think they are. They should be able to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Every team that's tried to run, that has came out and said we're running the ball against Texas A and M the last couple of years. Arkansas. Or Arkansas, excuse me, except Texas to. A&M, yeah. has ran the football. Texas A&M just can't and run the ball either. That's a weird game. I know a lot of people, a lot of people are picking Arkansas this week because of that result last week. But here's that Arkansas Texas A&M series in a nutshell. They have met eight times since they joined since the Aggies joined the league. Texas A&M is eight zero in those games with seven one possession wins. Arkansas is seven and one against the spread and has zero <laughs> straight up wins. The only loss they have was against with one of their best teams, probably when they had. Um, I think it was that team that beat Ole Miss on that backwards pass. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And that was one of it was like beat Ole Miss second team. year, second I think third maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and that was a team that got blown out by AM. So so that that game that's just a weird series. Yeah. It's just what that is. So I don't put too much stock into it. A&M lost their starting running back. Their offensive line struggling. They really don't have a running back right now. And Jimbo doesn't want to run his quarterback. So they were just, they just didn't want to run the ball. Which, by the way, Kellen Mond, much better runner than thrower. Yeah. Just run the damn ball. Yeah. So so that that, that game just got weird. And that and Arkansas still kind of found a way to lose it. So. Um, to a point I wanted to make, I, I did some, some digging yesterday. Because it feels like the bye, coming off the bye week, Teams have been starting. Kentucky's just started, started slow. That's one of those things where it's like, I feel like it's been really bad. I went and looked it up. Not as bad as you'd think. Three and three straight up in Stoops' six years. But it's wins over Vandy, Mississippi State. Maybe in the second Mississippi State win. The one, the big one was the McGinnis field goal mm-hmm. with time expired. That was, that was the big one. Probably their best one. But I think they also got themselves in a hole early in that one as well. Uh they did, and then they came out second half on fire. Yeah, it was should have blown them out, and then Stephen Johnson fumbles. Yes, exactly. The goal line. Um, but two and four against the spread, and I would just like to salute you though because you got an even more fun stat that's much more obscure, which is that Cats are six and one straight up as SEC favorites. As an SEC home favorite, Mark Stoops is three and four against the spread. But he's six and one straight up. Yeah, not good. Not good against that spread as an SEC but favorite. But the, the only loss was that Ole Miss game two years ago. Yeah, and that's DK Metcalf doing DK Metcalf things right. with Kentucky just scored play. 
little too fast. Yeah. Which, to all the people who just, you know, Eddie Green can't manage the clock. Well, this is why he runs the clock down and runs the ball on two-minute drives because of that Ole Miss game. There's a reason. Right. It's, you got to take time off the clock and see how it works. Yeah. I've also, if you haven't noticed, like I've been in a very confrontational mood on Twitter this week. I'm just – just I've sick of it. people's crap. I just, you know, like I just, the, all the Walker Wood conspiracies. No, no, no nonsense. Like, I just no. We're not. I'm, I'm nipping this stuff in the bud. But on the flip side, also had a big week on Twitter. Had a retweet from Rich Brooks. I know. I saw that. How about that was, it? That was a big one. But also retweet from Bill Connolly. The guy, the analytics guy, his SP Plus rankings, which we talk about a lot on here. Yes, the stats and analytics goat. So I don't know who – what's a bigger deal like it? I, I, who, Get, who's, the, who's the bigger retweet? Getting Grandpa Brooks is pretty big. Yeah, it is pretty big. Uh, I wanted to like – Just getting a, another college fo- football writer to retweet especially a college who's on, football writer. on Twitter a lot. Like, yeah. Rich Brooks doesn't follow me. Yeah. So, like – I don't know how that came across. His, his. He liked it. Yeah. Did you he, envision him seeing his your tweet at like, home and hitting the retweet button? I just wonder how. Like, I know how he uses it from a sending tweets aspect, but does he like scroll through Twitter? Like, just I can't imagine Rick's, Rich Brooks being the most technologically uh, savvy uh, person. I imagine him getting home at some point and just sitting there. The cup of brown water, mm-hmm. and just with the fire. Maybe his wife's got some room, football on in the background. Football on. He says, "I'm gonna pull out the old Twitter machine right now." And then and he scrolls through it. Well, he probably has a picture that he wants to share of him uh, with his tomatoes hog. or like something. Oh yeah, the hog. Uh, my favorite is when he's just like cussing at himself for playing terrible golf. in golf. <laughs> yeah. like, like he uses Twitter mostly to just vent about golf, and then I think he sees everybody else's problems, and he's like. Okay, I can't be that bad. Like, I just, I sucked at golf today. Woo-wee. Very good Twitter account. Man, what a life to live. When I, if I'm lucky enough, I'll retire like Rich Brooks. If he could only be so lucky. Yeah. He's got it made. Really does. Hopefully he's in there this weekend for the the Jared Runs again. I know he. Mo Williams going to be in town too. Mo Williams? Honorary captain. Oh, nice, nice. He's on the ticket this week. Hell yeah. Mo Williams, guy that. Gets very overlooked because he played on very bad teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, he was the bright spot of a bad era. Ooh, very, very rough, very rough times. Was was he on the Peach Bowl team? I think so. I, but he wasn't like a featured. Like he wasn't. I think that might have been his freshman year. Right. So right. he wasn't. He didn't play a lot. But it's kind of weird that Bill Curry. He actually did go to like like Bill Curry would have a Peach Bowl if not for a fumble yep. after an interception. He was on the '93 Peach Bowl team. How wild is that? Just in between like one and eleven seasons and a bunch of crap. Bill Curry almost yeah. had a. Which, by the way, have, have you been watching the Saturdays Down South thing? I have season? not. So uh, I think I was gonna just catch them all after the year. So my radio them. producer Trevor, yeah, that's a great like. Why they're doing it during the season? I guess Tuesday night. Yeah. There's nothing else going on. I but thought give, they were gonna do it like as a build up to the season. Yeah, give it to me during the summer when yeah. there's no football. Right. But they've been releasing them on Tuesday nights on the SEC Network. And Trevor Kelsey, my radio producer, big fan of it. And the most recent one they did was on the '90s. And so he's been sharing with me every time Kentucky's mentioned. So the the Peach Bowl victory in 78, I think. 75. 
76. It was it was late seventies. It was really cold. Fulton County. Seventy seven. There we go. Yeah. That, that's right. Um, with uh, Ramsey and all of them, mm-hmm. that was featured, and the integration thing was featured in the sixties. I don't think we got any love in the eighties, and then of course the one shining moment from the nineties is freaking Chris Doring. Yeah. Is it good? You can't even throw in Hell Mummy and be like, hey, look at all these coaches who run the air raid. Like, like dude, give me a freaking break, SEC. Come on. I thought they were going to show my first Kentucky game I went to as a fan. Bamer? Mid-90s. Played Florida. It was like 65-3. to three. That was my first day of Kentucky <laughs> football. <laughs> you know what? You're, Billy Jack Haskins, a quarterback. You're, you, you, that sounds like most Kentucky football fans <laughs> – and I, we're spoiled now. Like, people who are watching Kentucky football now are absolutely spoiled. Imagine being a kid and getting to watch, like, Josh Allen. And 20 years from now, they'll, they'll look back and be like, man, we had it made. And really, we've had it made in the fact that we got to have the mummy fun, and then 10 years we have the Woodson fun, and then 10 more years, now we get the Stoops fun. We've been, I mean, being really relevant for a decade, that's fun. We've had some bottoms, too. But we'll forget about those. Yeah, we'll forget about uh, uh, They're on a good run right now. An Let's unexpected – the, the the funniest bottom, though, was cheating and still being bad with Cod Bassett. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout college football history, a lot of people have cheated. Not everybody that's cheating can win. Yes. Somebody yes. has to lose Cla- games. Cod Bassett, Cod Bassett stories are the most hilarious because apparently – I've heard a few. Because apparently he just, like, kept all of the names of all of his – like, who they were recruiting – up on the whiteboard behind his desk. And when you were media, you would show up and you would walk down the hall, like past his office to go to like where they were meeting around. And, and if he'd like to, he'd be like, oh, come on in here. And he'd talk to you and just have all of the recruits up right behind him while he was talking to you. And he just didn't care in the world. Not one care. Big golf cart guy too. Yeah. yeah. I've heard the golf cart stories. Yeah. Yeah. Big golf cart guy. Um, with that, we should – how should we wrap this thing up? Like, how should we start winding down? What else you got on – because I know you, you – Last thing on Arkansas, mm-hmm. it's a shaky offensive line. Their center's been in concussion protocol all week. They're starting left tackle. Sounding like he might not play Saturday. So, like, inside Calvin Taylor, Quentin Bohanna, TJ Carter, they have, they have the on-paper advantage. They need to show that on the field. Um, and that – when Morris was on the SEC teleconference, that was all the talking points at Arkansas. Is how are you going to handle that big defensive line? Right. Because it's a bunch of upperclassmen who are big, physical, strong dudes. This is the okay defensive line. You've been getting better. Show us what you got. And Arkansas this, offensive line is about as small as you'll see in the SEC. The strength of the team needs to be the strength. Right. The strength is right. the strength. And then uh, Arkansas's red zone offense. They've had I mentioned Starkle's turnovers earlier. Mm-hmm. They're 120th in red zone efficiency. They're like 126 in red zone touchdown rate. There are 130 teams in FBS. They've so, been really bad in the red zone. Actually worse than Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It's a surprise. Kentucky actually has a touchdown rate in the 80s. So that's that's how much – they're like 45 spots higher than Arkansas. So that's an advantage that Kentucky needs to take advantage of. When Arkansas gets in the red zone, limit points. Especially with Starkle in there because he's turning it over. And if Hicks in there, like I said earlier, he can play it a little safe. 
So force field goals, even though they do have a good field goal God, kicker. They have nine touchdowns in twenty trips. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, it is. Ooh, it really is awful. They're only. Bad. I think they're twelve of twenty overall. I think they got three field goals. Uh, thirteen. Yeah. Thirteen and twenty. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, in Kentucky wouldn't be that bad if, you know, kicker make kicks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really the whole thing on Arkansas. I mean. Like to see Kentucky get out to a good start. That's uh, a but, good start and establish that freaking running game. Right. Bring it back. But it also might be good for the team if they got down early but then came back and scored, showed some like resilience, and then kind of battle through that adversity. But the the players, see, the player, multiple players are on Twitter saying, "Don't quit on us." Mm-hmm. Like they think they're gonna. I, I think the team, from my read, has a good feel about going into this week. It seemed the coaches are pretty excited to play. Mm-hmm. Seems like they like this matchup to me from what I'm I'm seeing. Is this a must win? It's close to one. Yeah, I think so. It's hard to call any game a must win after winning ten games mm. a season ago. I think it's but more of a season, confident. Especially, I, I worry about this team's confidence if they lose because then you're going to go to Georgia and get your tail whipped, and you've lost four in a row. No, it'd be five in a row in SEC play, mm-hmm. and you you still don't have a quarter like. You can only say, like, well, we don't have a quarterback. Well, you still got to go out there and play. And that's tough. Tough to do. When Monday rolls around, win or lose, how big of a talking point is the crowd going to be? I hope it's not a big one. I won't, I quit talking about crowds. I, I have. My, my thing on it now, just the state of college football, I watch a bunch of football every week. And None of the crowds. LSU, I see gaping holes in the stadium. Tennessee, I see gaping holes in the stadium. I see, you see it all around the country, but I know locally that's a big talking point. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested, and I know a lot of media members are throwing out uh, the old canned basketball season's here, no one cares about football. <laughs> the old canned answer, no one cares about football, basketball season's here. You know, so like – I'm interested to see what crowd, what kind of crowd is there, because mm-hmm. you know you like to see a good crowd because it's Jerry Lorenzen's. Right, right. You you know what I think? Memorial kind like, of for the, the game. The one thing that uh, of all of the excuses people have that nobody talks about is the people who would fill up a lot of those, especially like in the student corners. They grew up in a generation where every game was on TV. I probably watched the last delayed broadcast. Back in like oh three or oh four, right. every game has been on TV from. Well, I remember game. the Georgia win in oh six was a delay broadcast. Drew Diener was on the call. I'm thinking, oh, wow, it's bias from the past. I, I was thinking that uh, I, th- I thought you were talking about the road win in oh eight because that was ESPN two, but y- yeah, you're what you're talking about. Yes, so that would have been one of the last ones. Mm-hmm. So. I think of my. I think that season was was the last time. The, the 2006 season was the last year of the delay broadcast. So, the having to go to the game to be at the game that's not a thing for people anymore. It's and that's just an unnecessary byproduct of getting millions and millions of TV dollars. Is that you're losing some of your money for in stadium revenue? I right. just think that's what it is. Right. I just I'm interested to see what kind of crowd shows up. Yeah. I hope it's a good one. Um. Ooh. Let's get our updated weather report, shall we? Mm. Oh, I wish the press box was outside. 
I know. I really do, too. Get, get a nice cold. Georgia's is outside. That's how we separate the men from the boys in the press box. Men, the, outside. the first time I went to the Georgia press box, I didn't know that it was outdoor. Oh, Georgia is outdoor? It's outdoor. And it was really warm during the day. So I didn't wear, like, a, like I didn't bring, like, a sweatshirt or anything. And at night, it got really cold. But at uh, Georgia, since it's Georgia and they don't understand, like, like it, when it gets cold down there, everybody loses their minds. Remember when it iced in Atlanta and everybody started driving off the roads? They Down there, they have heaters underneath the – so, like, to keep your feet toasty at night. That's nice. Yeah, it's a nice little, little touch. Um, so, Saturday weather, high of 59, and the precipitation chances – ooh, it's getting earlier. So very fifty percent chance till like seven a.m. Yeah, it's gonna. By the time people get out to their tailgate, the rain's gonna be pretty much. Hell, gone. you might even be able to get in some Keeneland, a clear sky for Keeneland. I don't know how clear the skies will be, but I'll be out there this weekend betting on some ponies. But if you're a fan of not sweating, but not being freezing cold, oh, this, is all, this can, is, this is all you can. This is all you can ask I for. I love this weather. Wearing jeans and sweatshirts, right? And even the sweatshirts still a little, a little too toasty just yet, especially if you're moving around. Well, early it's like one of those days earlier in the day you bring the sweatshirt but you don't put it on mm-hmm. until a little bit later. Yeah. Those yeah. are the best. Oh, and that's what it's gonna be Saturday. It's gonna be a great day. If you're thinking about going, you can still get tickets twenty two dollars off Jared Lorenzen for the Jared Lorenzen game. I think you just need like a promo code and it's twenty two. Like spelled out, not the numer not the numbers, but actually spelled out. Twenty two bucks off a ticket. I know a lot of people say, Well, I like you know, I got a family of four, I can't afford to bring them. Well, you can. And if not, I bet you can go in StubHub or whatever yeah, down the corner. It's not going to be hard, hard to find cheap tickets. This yeah, day, exactly. Trying to go. So go enjoy the night. It's one of the few chances where you'll get nice, cool weather without it being like freezing cold. And go watch the cats play ball. If the nothing game, else, the the, un- the uncertainty of it is going to make it fun. Because like really, it's just roll the dice. Let's let's see what we got with Limbo and QB one. Right. And it's a team, you know. You're not going to get to see Arkansas and Lexington for a long, for a long time. Twenty more years. Just it keeps up. <laughs> so enjoy it while you can. So, and Kentucky tries to extend that series lead from four to three to five to three. Oh, I know. Well, that's kind of wild that they've been in the SEC together for 25 years and only played eight times. I know. Pretty wild. It's happening Saturday. It's going to be exciting. We'll see you there. We'll be outside Krogering, tearing down the house, and can't wait to see you. Go Cats, go Kroger.